Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señores y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. Estamos en vivo. So let's get this business out of the way. Uh, this episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. With the NFL playoffs here and the NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. So head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Ben Online, where the game starts. All right, uh, so before we get things started, uh, as you can see, I am joined by Alonso. And our Dodger insider, Cody Snavely, a.k.a. Canelo, and baby faces in the background. Uh, Adrian already joining us. Saludos, sangrones. Viva el dark side of MLB. Um, thank you. Uh, La Princesa de Picolandia, I believe, is on assignment. Uh, she, has a, she has a tropical assignment. Um, so before we get into tonight's topics, I do want to just address a couple of things here of business. Uh, Adrian went ahead and, and brought up the Viva El Dark Side of MLB. Uh, for those of you who uh, came out, well, for those of you that we met at our at the signing for Bobby Miller and Diego Cartaya, thank you very much. I know we've been getting a lot of good reaction uh, from that episode. And for those of you sangrones who sent me a message saying, man, I was going to go. I wish I would have known sooner. It's okay. Hopefully we will do it again. Or if we see you guys at Dodger Fest, make sure you come up to us. Uh, we may go ahead and do, as people were referring to it, a street podcasting episode. Uh, but I did get a question here that I want to start off uh, and chime in if either one of you guys know this. Uh, but Mike M. wanted us to give an update on the Spectrum streaming app uh, for the Dodgers game. Uh, so last year, well, I, yeah, it was last year. It was announced that Spectrum Sportsnet LA was going to go ahead and stream Dodger games on the app, just the way the Lakers were doing it. And so this is not, I mean, this is already available if you are an existing Spectrum customer, but the Lakers now are individually selling the app and they're selling it for $19.99. Uh, I know Mike wanted to know when is that going to be available to my knowledge, the Dodgers still have not yet, or not the Dodgers, excuse me, Spectrum Sportsnet LA has not announced what the monthly charge would be to just subscribe to the app to be able to stream the Dodger games. I say that because uh, with the news that came out today that Amazon is getting into the streaming of the baseball business, uh, they're bailing out Bally, uh, which is, I think, I think that's a huge story um, because if those networks... The Chopins, the Angels, those guys were all on Bally. If those, if those pod, I mean those net broadcasts, if they they went belly up, 
Major League Baseball was going to have a huge problem on their hand. So, uh, Alonzo or Canelo, do any of you know yet? Am I am I wrong in this? I don't believe Spectrum Sportsnet LA has announced how much they would be charging for the streaming option only for Dodger games. To my knowledge, no. I haven't heard anything, if I'm completely honest. Yeah, I mean, I brought it up, I think, a couple weeks ago about when we were talking about why the offseason was so slow. Um, and I knew about the Lakers streaming side of things, but I haven't seen any Dodger fan or anybody mention anywhere on social media about Spectrum doing it on their own uh, for streaming that way. I said it made sense just because it seems that's that's the way direction it's going right now. Um, but, yeah, I, I assume they'll do it. They'll probably just announce it closer to spring training when official games are, are coming in. Um, and maybe they were treating the Lakers as a test run, maybe to see how many people were subscribed, where you know one of the biggest issues you've seen many Dodger fans have is blackouts and the ability not to watch Dodger games. So um, it would definitely be something that's more affordable for everyone to get. Fortunately for me, I don't live in the blackout area, so I can just watch it on MLB <laughs> uh, TV. Um, so I don't have that issue, but I, I definitely think it's something that the, the Dodgers should definitely do this upcoming year. Uh, Babyface, uh, do you have you heard any updates? I, I believe it was in October when they announced that they were looking into doing a streaming option only, so you didn't have to be a Spectrum Sportsnet LA um, uh, customer to to be able to watch the games. Any updates on the price and if it would uh, go into effect soon? Because I like Anello Field, they'll probably drop it right before the first spring training games. Yeah, I haven't heard anything either. Um, that would make sense. What Cody's saying. You know, once it's ready, once the season's kicking off, you know, jump on it then and 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 list it then. But until then, uh, nothing, nothing that we can, that I've seen. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and just uh, get into the comments real quick before we we officially start the show. Dennis Gonzalez, greetings, the bad boys of sports podcasting. Jose Ayala, uh, Jose Ayala, saludos, carnesada. Thank you for the mystery box. See you guys at the fest. Hope to see you guys. Now, again, this is why it pays off to watch us on these lives because Jose Ayala got the mystery prize for winning comment of the night. So you're welcome, Jose. You are our, you are the patron saint of the Bleed Lows podcast and the Carnesada. So we appreciate that. Adrian Rodriguez, I voted for best baseball podcast, Bleed Lows podcast. Adrian, thank you very much, my friend. Uh, and again, this serves as a reminder. The voting is open until January 28th. So if you have voted... Thank you very much. You can vote from different. You can vote from your phone. You can vote from your laptop. You can vote from your desktop. Spread the word, guys. Uh, it would be great if we could bring home that that trophy. And, and there's the address, too. And if, if you just want to search, like, sports podcast group awards or something like that, it should come up. And then just go in there and, and click on the on the voting. And that uh, is also available on our social media, whether it's Instagram or X. Uh, also, this is a good time. If you're coming across us for the very first time, guys, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and you can watch all the uh, all the lives that we have, all the episodes that we drop and all the other Dodger related stuff. We had that the Oscar Hernandez press conference up on our YouTube page. So uh, that's what we're going to go ahead and do here. So uh, let's uh, get to some of these comments here. Uh, I saw something very interesting. Uh, oh, okay, Pablo, I just want to thank you, Pablo, because we were catching some strays on, on the social media from the haters 
who who don't like our takes. And Pablo came in there and he stood up for the sangrones. So Pablo, I I love your attitude, man. You mess with one sangron, you mess with the all. So thank you for backing us up. Uh, I want to go to our unofficial correspondent here, Michael Carrillo. According to Dodger Blue people who don't live in Korea, we won't be able to buy tickets to the Korea series. Alonzo, your thoughts, if this is true, that we're not going to be able to get tickets to the Korea series. I mean, I, well, you know what? The beauty of being on the internet, let's look it up. Let's find out. So let's see. If I go, let's see, MLB, whoops. I don't think it's true. I mean, that wouldn't make sense because why would you limit who can and can't buy tickets is just my take as a person that works in events for a living. Well, uh, I know Adrian Rodriguez is worried because what about the donations to the Korea fund? Well, <laughs> so, so, I mean, we can just uh, apply that to the human fund if we really yes, want yes. to. We, we will apply it to the human fund. Uh, uh, let's see. They went either on that sale. Or a donation to Vandalay Industries. <laughs> um, let's see. They went on sale two days ago. Um, I can't pronounce what that is. Something Play is the exclusive streaming platform in Korea for it. Uh, so it looks like we can buy tickets in some capacity. I will work on that as we dig through this. But it wouldn't make sense to me. Why would you want to limit the audience that can buy tickets? Because that's how that's how this. Like people buy tickets to come see Taylor Swift. Why would we limit that for baseball? Uh, Canelo, have you heard of any of this madness? Um, no, I did see that they are starting to put the ticket sales up. I don't know if like. Yeah, I guess it would make sense that the country gets like first dibs right. um, that on those tickets. Um, but I imagine they they will allow like other like countries to purchase t- tickets, specifically the United States. You know, some fans are going to be traveling there to watch uh, this series. So, um, but I imagine compared to the last time when the Dodgers went international, but. I, I remember in 2014 in, in Australia, that was a pretty packed stadium for the cricket grounds they were playing in. And I imagine the Korea series is going to be probably like tenfold of that, like probably even way up than what I, I remember 2014 being, well, especially with uh, Otani and everyone. Isn't the Korea series, though, what, the place that they're going to play, isn't that pretty small, that dome that they're in? It's one of the smallest ones around, right? Well, look, I don't I, know I, the seating capacity, so not off the top of my head. I'm sure that thing's going to sell out real quick, but yeah. I, I would assume that Major League Baseball would have to have tickets available to fans in the United States. Uh, so I, I, I just can't see that they would be an option, but that's a developing story. So we'll keep an there, eye on there that. There you go. 23 uh, Skittles says it's a $17,000 17, uh, seat dome. So it's basically like playing a baseball game at a Laker game. Uh, so at, <laughs> at, at crypto. So that. That's going to be interesting. We'll have to keep an eye out. Uh, I want to get to Dennis Gonzalez's question before we get to our topics, because it actually is one of the topics that I had. And I know that Canelo has strong feelings on this. So Dennis Gonzalez comes in here. How strong is the smoke around the Lusardo trade rumors? Uh, Question from Dennis again is how strong would uh, who becomes a trade chip Vargas or Margot? Now, I saw Canelo do a very strong eye roll when he saw this story. And I saw it a couple of times on X. Not only Lusardo, but it was Tanner Scott. So before I go to Alonso, Canelo, because you've become a meme with your reactions here, what are you not feeling about this Lusardo trade rumor? Yeah, you know, I feel like this page has been kind of all around, at least Dodgers Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it now. Um 
I believe it's like MLB Insider One or something like that. Um, he's been going around a lot of Dodger rumors a couple weeks ago. It was the Class A and Bieber that blew up everything. We talked about it. And now we got the other arm that has been rumored throughout trade talks for every team needing starting pitching, and that is Lozardo. And then throw in Tanner Scott as well, the lefty reliever for the Marlins. Um, I gave it a little bit of an eye roll because I also commented to people. I said I realistically do not see Lozardo getting moved at all because I don't really see why the Marlins, if they truly want to contend, would trade him. He has three years of control. And then if you do trade him, it is going to cost a lot where if the Dodgers did want to go that route, I'm completely fine with it because I do think they need to, I guess, say retool their minor leaguers. Like, you know, they have some of these guys that they are blocked. Um, Like, like just thinking off the top of my head, the trade package you have to send over there, you would definitely have to include Vargas. He is blocked right now. There's really not a spot on him. Um, you guys just talked to him. Cartaya is another hot name that's out there as well. The Marlins could use a young athletic hitting catcher um, who's ready, probably could make the big league club this year if he's traded there. Um, and that'll be, a, that'll be a name that the Marlins are going to ask for, especially if you combine Scott, who's a highly coveted left-handed reliever, and Luzardo, who is a highly coveted left-handed pitcher with three years of control. So it's going to cost a lot, probably five, I would say, prospects, just going right off the bat with that one. Um, but like I said, I don't see the Marlins trading him at least right now because um, I don't really think it makes sense that they want to contend. And uh, that's just my two cents on it. If it happens, it happens. You know, I, I won't question the Dodgers' involvement in it. I, I would just question the Marlins. Uh, Alonzo, who's starting these rumors? Agents. I mean, that's always who starts the rumors are agents. But I I do think there is a little bit of smoke here. And, and I'm going to have Canelo humor me here. Because we heard the reporting on the Dylan C deal that they were basically going to acquire him to flip him. So basically you're moving on from pieces for roster space, and then you're flipping a guy to get other pieces. So I, I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. Just like I still think, honestly, I think the Dodgers are leading in the clubhouse to sign Josh Hader. Like at this point, if Hader hasn't signed anywhere, I think there's there's a reason why. And it's obviously he's either waiting on the right situation or there's a corresponding move that he's wanting to make sense. And so, so I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if that was the move, because like Canelo said, there's a bunch of guys that are blocked. You need to make the roster space. You also do really, you really do need to retool your minor leagues a little bit, because if you got a bunch of guys blocked, then you got to find a way to make that not a thing annually. Right. It wouldn't surprise me if Andy Pajes is a part of that deal either, just because that's another guy that's blocked. And so you're, you're, and the unfortunate thing is you are going to have to give up some major league ready talent. Margot, Gavin Stone wouldn't surprise me if he's a part of that deal. I mean, they're probably going to ask for a Sheehan or a Yarbrough, um, you know, as a part of a deal like that. I mean, it's going to be a big package, but the return you're getting is in my opinion, worth it because what's the purpose of holding on to all these prospects if you're not going to move them anyway. So you, it's, to me, it makes a lot of sense. And I did see someone on here. I don't have my glasses on, so I couldn't see who said it. But someone asked why free agency seems to be lagging a little bit this year. And, and I kind of – I'll get my take, and I want to hear Ganetto's take. I So, obviously, everyone knew Shohei was was the the piece, right? And, and the thinking was once that guy kind of fell, every other domino would kind of fall after that. It hasn't, uh, if you really think about it. And the Dodgers have just – I mean, they've burned – I think they've outspent Bezos this year. Like they've just burned so much money. And and I'm I'm still surprised that Blake Snell doesn't have an agreement with anyone. 
Does that surprise you, Cody? I mean, yeah. Uh, I think this entire free agency, I actually am not surprised with MLB free agency because it just seems like it's been on that trend. Like the only time that it was really guns blazing back and forth uh, was during the MLB lockout year. You know, oh, right yeah. before the lockout happened, we had a lot of free agents signed um, in a short period of time, like Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon going to the Rangers. That was the big one. And then immediately after the lockout ended, we saw what happened after that. You know, even Freddie Freeman come, coming to the Dodgers, Matt Olson getting traded. And, you know, it was pretty much gun blazing through all 30 teams throughout the league. So um, I think the MLB offseason, it is probably the worst out of all the sports because there's really – there's so much stuff that's getting dragged out. Um the running theory, at least that I've heard from a lot of media um, outlets, um, specifically John Boy Media, Chris Rose had like some uh, uh, writers go on. They were talking about the Hall of Fame, but they brought up what is kind of the reason for the slope of the offseason. And they said that it's probably because a lot of these teams and their the people that run the baseball front office is that they think they can wait these players out. They think they can wait these players out all the way to the last possible moment where they have the upper hand and say, hey, look, you're either taking this deal that is on our terms or you're not playing this year. Or you're take, you're, every day that goes by, these players' values significantly goes down. And that's the reason why I think the Dodgers are extremely interested in the Josh Hader market because you know he goes into the offseason, he's expecting to be Edwin Diaz's deal. And if you ask me, he arguably should get that. He should he is well within his rights to ask for five and $102 million because he is, in my mind, the one, number one or the number two best closer in baseball. There's no if, ands, or buts around that. Um, but the fact is, is that no team is offering him that. And that is why the Dodgers are just looking in the back corner. You know, Andrew Freeman's got his predator eyes on because as soon as that gets down to around $80 million, he will jump in. It's the same thing that he's done with a lot of free agents before. Specifically, Freddie Freeman was the big one where nobody – Nobody in their mind thought Freddie Freeman was going to walk anywhere. But once Andrew Freeman saw the moment to strike, he said, I'm going in, I'm, I'm going to go pounce, get the guy. Um, it, it's one of those things where it's not a it's not a need, but it's a want. But if if they can make it work, they'll make it work. But I do think there is a, a rift, and this will probably lead to some more, you know, maybe a potential lockout in the future just with how the offseason has been, even after the lockout, where there is definitely a, big gap between ownership uh front office and then the players themselves so um it's definitely an issue you know, uh, Alonso. That reminds me of by the way dallas keichel remember a few years yeah. ago when that dude wanted the bag i mean he still got paid but he didn't get paid what he wanted and so yeah. ultimately like that's that's kind of what's going to keep happening unfortunately is like with Blake, i don't think i think like snow I, I saw a thing that he wants like nine or ten years like close to 300 I don't think he's going to get that. I think he's going to get like five years, maybe 200, maybe. But I, I don't, I mean, I, for the life of me, I can't, I mean, we've seen what's happened with Scherzer. We've seen what's happened with some of these other older cats. Like you can't commit nine years per se to a 30 year old pitcher that doesn't necessarily kind of, I, I don't know, demand that. If I don't know if that's the right word to put it, but I mean, Blake Snell is a great pitcher. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, Cy Young guy, all that, but he's not Garrett Cole. Yeah. Yeah. When uh, he walks in, this is where, sorry to cut you off, but this is yeah. where it's kind of getting a rift where it's like, if the player is going to walk in and say, I want nine years, 270, like the, the people that are running it, cause I wouldn't give Blake Snell that. So the ownership and then the people running the baseball ops are like, okay, well come back when you have a more realistic offer. Like 
where if that's what you're set on there, you have to meet in the middle. That's how free agency works. You know, you shoot your number, they shoot their number, then you try to come to some sort of agreement. But if your number is way up there, like some of Scott Boris's clients are, that kind of just affects the market as a whole. But um, to even go back to earlier, you know, Otani wasn't holding up the market because there was only like three teams that could sign him. Yamamoto was the same way. You know, there was only so many teams that could sign him. This is really just a lot of other teams trying to save money because we mentioned earlier about the TV deals. Nobody knew where they were going to get their extra money from that. Maybe things are going to start getting a little bit more steam because it seems like they are going to get their money somehow this year. So um, that'll be interesting. Uh, before I go to Alonzo, because uh, Canelo brought something up that I, I want to get your opinion on, uh, Alonzo. I want to answer LC's question. What are we voting for? I'm just checking in. Uh, LC, and for those of you who are watching, as you can see the ticker here, we were nominated for Best Baseball Podcast in America. So that's what you're voting for, LC. If you think our show is the best baseball podcast in America, Go to the link here and vote for us. As I said, you can vote from different devices. You can tell your friends. Uh, I just would love to see the look on everyone's face when we win. Uh, uh, Alonzo, what Canelo's talking about, the fact that, you know, Otani, Yamamoto weren't holding up, and, and it is strange that you have so many free agents, and this is not anything new. I feel like this happened last offseason, it's been trending, I believe, in the offseason that you've had a number of free agents. We're, in some cases, I know the, the Doyers and the show pods, they're about three weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting, and you still have all these free agents. What Canelo is describing to me, and go ahead and call me a communist, does that not sound like collusion, Alonzo, what's happening? Um, I mean, yeah, you are a commie. We, we can agree there. But uh, I, at the end of the day, listen... Agents are always going to instruct their clients to get the most amount of money that they can now. That's just the reality. That's the business. That's the model. That's what it's been for at least since the 94 lockout, right? Hey, go get your bag and do the thing. I, I don't think it's collusion because at the end of the day, you want to make as much money as you possibly can with the short window that you have. I, I, I will never fault a guy for saying that. Like it's, it's always interesting when I hear people that are like, oh, well, Josh Hader – has this issue and that's why he's only pitching for one inning and he's not worth a hundred million dollars. I mean, just because, I mean, he's the best at his position at, at the time that he hit the market, that's what the valuation determines. I mean, that's just what it is. So in some of these, in, in haters case, if he is in fact holding out and we don't know, I, I obviously, I don't know if that's what it is, but if that is what the case is, then good on him. He's, he's holding up for what he thinks he's worth. People like Canelo would agree. I would agree that he's worth that dollar amount. And in some in some capacity, someone's going to pay him, right? But I don't think it's collusion as a whole. I mean, if anything, we can argue that the owners collude too. I mean, I, we, we talk about 2020 when they, they were telling all the players, hey, there's no money to pay you all your full salaries. We're going to play 60 games. And then right before the playoffs starts, hey, we're going to add an additional round and we're doing it because we're getting a billion dollars in TV money. That, okay. That does like the optics of that doesn't look good. So I, I agree with Canelo that at some point with where the new lockout or, or well, hopefully there's not a lockout, but when the new CBA comes to 4A, I think there's going to be more conversations about like starting periods and ending periods as far as like when dudes sign and all that, um, because it, it is true. The baseball offseason, as far as free agency goes, is the most lagsadaisical of all of the sports. Like with the NBA, 
it's a spree. They go hard. You don't really even hear much of the trade deadline stuff, but when there is, it just kind of comes in hot. Same with the NFL. So I would hope that the NBA, I'm sorry, the MLB would learn from like the NBAs and the NFLs to kind of keep the, the conversation going, but in time, in time. Um, so yeah, a friend of the guy that that Dave S.A. had said that the Dodgers were in on Hater all the way from the beginning. I know somebody in the comments put now with the Rangers getting their TV situation uh, settled. I know I saw reports that they were interested in Hater. Um, the other piece of news: there was a trade made, and Michael Bush was finally traded. Then um, there were reports, as as Canelo or no, as as Alonzo had alluded to that. He was being dangled to the White Sox in order to flip Cease for more. Uh, Canelo, I'm going to go to you. Um, I want your reaction to what the Dodgers got from the the Cachorros of Chicago. And then here's my second question to you. Do do we or maybe the Dodgers, have they overvalued uh, Michael Bush? I mean, what does it tell you that they were only able to get two prospects for Michael? And again, Michael Bush is not proven he hasn't done anything in the major leagues but could we maybe have misjudged how how high of a ceiling he had all right yeah i mean there's a couple things that digest with the trade so first thing going with the trade um when it was announced on twitter by juan Toribio that they were trading el monte i was like all right that makes sense that's the 40 man space for teoscar but then the tweet after that saying it was michael bush really piqued my interest because in that short little time frame, I was like, all right, well, who are they getting? Like, who are the Cubs? Because I'm thinking we're getting major league ready talent. I thought that's pretty much across the board. Any trade idea that you saw, whether it was to the Guardians, to the White Sox, to to the Cubs, you would say, all right, we're getting something back. So, um, but then I really didn't see much major league talent that the Cubs could give us. You know, you know, me and Roger were going back and forth on messages. You know, I was saying, all right, well, are they going to be us a pitcher? Is Kyle Hendricks coming back or something? Like we have to get some major league talent to some disappointment at the time. I was a little disappointed from the trade because I did expect some major league ready talent um, because it's Michael Bush. You know, it's someone that we had very highly regarded here in the Dodgers farm system. A little bit more going into it. I think the return for both sides was pretty equal because it seems like the Cubs did give up a fair share amount of prospect depth. You know, looking at Ferris, um, he is one of the best left-handed pitchers in the minor leagues right now. He was drafted last year in 2022. Um, the MLB pipeline just came out with their new prospect rankings and everything. He's number seventh left-handed pitching prospect. He slots in right as the number fifth uh, prospect in the Dodgers organization. Um, and then this guy has nasty stuff. I shared a couple videos of him uh, the other day. Um, he, he's got like a five, four, five pitch mix. Um, he's got a tall, lanky build. Um, kind of looks a little bit like Rich Hill is what I put in the in the the, the tweet I had out. Um, and it, weirdly enough, they have the same number 44. So, um, and then the other side of that is they get, uh, who was the other? They get the outfielder. Uh, Zaire Hope. Um, he was taken in this year's draft. Um, not much you can really grade off of him. Just that, you know, in his short sample size of like 11 at bats, he had like four or three home runs or something like that. Um, did we overvalue Bush? I mean, maybe, but I, like we've said the past couple of weeks, I feel like the Dodgers had their hands tied behind their back. You know, they knew they had to get rid of this guy. Um, I think they made it pretty much of their goal if they weren't going to play him they had to trade him just because the Dodgers I think they 
they think with the business aspect of baseball, but they also think of like the mental aspect to send Bush back to AAA. The one thing we've heard from Brandon Gomes, Andrew Friedman, they said this guy isn't a minor leaguer anymore. They said this guy's a major league baseball player. He just doesn't have a shot on our team right now. And I think because of the certain moves we've made the past three off seasons, that's kind of sidelined him. You know, before Freddie Freeman became a Dodger, you could just say, Hey, Muncie stays at first. Bush could be coming up at third. All right, now you get Freddie Freeman. All right, well, let's try him at second base. Well, Mookie Betts wants to play second base full-time now, so there he is there. Muncie signs that extension this offseason as well. He's there for the next three seasons. So Bush, who's 26 years old, he's not getting younger. He really doesn't have any spot on the roster right now, so you might as well trade him for whatever value you can get. And if you're not going to get major league talent like a lot of us Dodger fans wanted, these two prospects, at least in Ferris right now, it really looks like it could be a steal in the next two to three years when this guy comes up uh, because it's left-handed pitchers, left-handed elite pitchers. Um, they don't come around too often and to already be that highly ranked in the Dodgers system means a lot. So um, I'll trust Andrew Freeman and what they're doing over there any day of the week. Um, but it is a little disappointing. We didn't get a little bit more um, to help us win right now. Um, so I can see why some Dodger fans are frustrated. Uh, Alonzo, before I go to you on this topic, I just want to read some of the comments here. Uh, 23 Skidoo, teams knew we had to unload Bush, lost all the leverage. Uh, Adrian Rodriguez, Michael Bush was a top prospect on a team that stacked. He's going to grow. Uh, he, I mean, he wasn't going to grow in the minors anymore. Um, Nando thinks the Dodgers lost that trade uh, with the Cachorros uh, and that the Dodgers lost value in Bush when they announced that Mookie was going to be playing second. Uh, 23 Skidoo feels that Bush's age has something to do with his lesser value to other teams. Michael Carrillo, the fault of our farm system is when developing position players, they don't seem to be good defensively. Michael, I wonder if it's because they're constantly moving them from one position to another. Um, uh, Alonzo, uh, I like... Canelo felt like they were going to get a major league ready. And maybe this is like when we hear all this stuff, when everybody's like, go get Lusardo and all that stuff. And it's like, guys, I know we're being told that these prospects are great. And somehow that all the Dodger prospects are better than all the other prospects in major league baseball, but perhaps, and maybe it's everything that everybody just said here, but maybe other teams don't value our prospects as much as we do. Uh, am I wrong there, Alonzo? No, I mean, th you're seeing that as an organization, right? The organization is seeing those prospects as it goes along. Listen, not a knock to Michael at all. He, I mean, he's a friend of the show. Let's just also be transparent. Um, I mean, he was a bat first prospect with a defensive fit. A lot of questions that his defensive fit. So, I mean, that already kind of has you a couple pegs down. I mean, if, but if you can put the ball in play, I mean, ask J.D. Martinez. They'll find a job for you in some capacity. Um, but I, I, I'll be honest, I don't think that this was a disappointing trade because obviously they had a clear 40 man. I mean, you got to make that move if you want to, if you want to add to the roster, that's just attrition and you have a log jam of prospects. You, you have to replenish the system, right? You're not always going to be able to replenish it with international signings and the draft, Sometimes you're going to acquire them and like player to be named later deals. You're going to acquire them in deals like this, where it looks like a loss up front. I, I actually like that they got Jackson Ferris. Cause like, as Cody said, left-handed pitchers that have that sort of stuff don't come around a lot. 
And that's a great pickup, especially in a system in a, in a system where you need pitching. I mean, you you never have enough pitching. That's the one thing that anyone will ever tell you is if, if you have pitching and a lot of it, it's a great problem to have. But also when you're at a log jam with all these other guys, Miguel Vargas, Michael Bush, Andy Pajes, Diego Cartaya, I mean, for how long have we talked about these guys and they haven't been able to crack this roster? At some point, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to find a way to move on from them to replenish and try again. Because it's not saying that Michael Bush isn't a good baseball player. I mean, Brandon Gomes said himself, this is a major league baseball player. He's just not good enough to crack this roster. So give him an opportunity somewhere else. That's not a bad thing. And I mean, it, and not all trades are won that day, right? Yeah. But we're looking down the road. I mean, granted, for Zaire Hope, we don't know what that is. He's a, he's a first rounder this year. So, yeah. I mean, there's upside there because he's a first rounder now. But, I mean, I, I like that move. It clears up some roster space. It moves along a log jam. And like you said, Mookie Betts wants to play first base every day. I don't think you lose leverage there. All that's just telling everyone is, hey, we got a for sale sign. Let's talk. Let's see what makes sense. And yeah. that's that's all it is ultimately. Yeah, and I think when I look at when I look at social media after this trade was immediately, um, I won't say we we lost this trade. Um, right now, I would say it's pretty. You can't really judge it at all, just because. I thought there was a lot more hate from the Cubs side of things. Um, I know a lot of Cubs, like uh, Barstool Cubs, that they posted something. They were like, "We gave up, Z- uh, uh, we gave up Zaire Hope and um, Ferris, like specifically Ferris for Michael Bush." Like, it's really just kind of like if you look at it like a minor league trade. It, it, the Dodgers were essentially selling off a bat that the Cubs needed. The Cubs needed a left-handed bat. Right now, Cody Bellinger is up in the air. They don't know if he's coming back. They don't have a first baseman right now, so that's where Bush is expected to play. But to trade Ferris, who's a highly regarded prospect already, for just Michael Bush, who, yes, while he has had really good success in the minor leagues, we've seen him in his brief MLB stints. He hasn't really replicated those numbers at all. So um, that's a huge risk for the Cubs to take. And to send a pitcher of this caliber already to the Dodgers, you know, brains and their system and everything, you know, we just talk, talked to the, the Dodgers minor league uh, pitching uh, development uh, the other day, and they work for driveline. They're bringing in all new stuff. They're probably going to take this guy up to the next level. So it could be um, in, like I said, in the next like two, three, four years, we look back at this trade and say, Wow, they got this guy for Michael Bush. Like that's that's how I look at it right now. Um, because I don't think Michael Bush helps us now and he won't help us later. So you might as well just get whatever you can for him. Well, let's not forget Yancy Almonte is also not a scrub. Like he, he actually thrived in this system. I and mean, when we talked to him, I will never forget when he said when when he when they asked him, Hey, why weren't you throwing the clicker? So because they told me not to. What? That's your best pitch. What are you doing? Like that that's a guy that, that was able to get all kind of cylinders flying under this system. So I, that's where I for me that's a loss, but at the same time, knowing how Friedman operates, that's yeah. they're not looking at it as a net loss. They're gonna try to replace that. So so it's I for the I agree though, the cup thing was interesting to see because they have their own problems. They spent a bunch of money on a manager and they still can't figure out the rest. <laughs> Uh, we have another unofficial correspondent, Roy Estrada, coming in with her tickets for Korea series will be hard to get. You must have a Korean cell phone and address. Madres uh, are trying to uh, to keep uh, uh, doctor fans from attending. Uh, so uh, we're, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get to some other things, but I do want to follow up on something that Alonzo said, and that was replenishing the farm system. The Dodgers. 
Uh, I believe they signed 19 uh, international, the internationally scouting uh, per, or signing period opened up and they signed 19. What I found what was really interesting was of those 19, four of them were catchers. And the reason why I bring this up is this. Um, Baseball America's top 100 prospects, Dalton Rushing was number 50 on that list. And we just saw uh, Babyface and La Princesa de Picolandia. We saw uh, Diego Cartaya in person up front. And Babyface come in here on this. He looked physically like tone and he looked... I don't think he I, I know he told us that great story about he outgrew the bleed Lows podcast shirt that we gave him, but I, he looked physically like he was in a good shape and maybe it was because we made him comfortable, but he did seem I, I his attitude was a little different. And I think you even noticed that. Right, babyface. Yeah, I mean, he was great. I mean, he was approachable. You know, he was happy to talk, you know, and he told us, like you said, he said. He said he grew up right from a year and a half ago, whenever, whenever we talked to him, right? His body is, I mean, he's still young, right? He's still a young, a young guy. So his body is still physically changing, especially with the workouts that he does and, you know, the lifting and everything. So he's gotten bigger than he was, you know, a year ago. So, I mean, you know, he's, he, he told us, you know, he's ready. He's ready for this season. He's been learning a lot past season, even though he struggled last season, um, he's, you know, he was in two levels last, last, last season. So it's getting adjusted to that. And we'll see how things play out this year, you know, remains to be seen. Like I said, he could be trade bait for something or, you know, he can remain in the system. So we'll see how this this next couple of weeks and, and into the season plays out. I, I just found it very interesting, the number of catchers that they drafted. And maybe it's just international-wise, um, the, the catching has now become a thing. Maybe I, they do say it takes a little longer to develop catchers. But with rushing, and then there was another catcher in the system. And I think, I don't know, I'm blanking on the name, and I think maybe Canelo might know it. But Canelo, you had a theory in terms of, like, with the push trade and what they're doing with the farm system. Right. I mean, with the farm system, they they have to get depth one way or the other. You know, if they're going to spend as much money as they're spending, they're going to lose draft picks. They're going to get pushed back. So they can't always look to the draft to say, hey, we'll go that route. They do get the international bonus pool money that they can they can spend now. Um, I would say just based off history and based off the way they play and their play style, the athleticism, the two most popular positions in the international market are always going to be a shortstop and catcher. That's just no brainer. You, those are the most athletic, at least in my mind, uh, positions in baseball. And then you also got outfielders and everything like that as well. But I'll go with Trevor Plouffe. What he said, every good baseball player started out as a shortstop or a catcher, and then they moved elsewhere once they get to the big leagues. Um, so just because they sign him as a catcher or shortstop doesn't mean they're going to stay there their entire career. You know, they signed Kenley Jansen as a catcher in the international market, uh, and he turned up to be the Dodgers' all-time saves leader. So anything can really happen. Um, I do agree with Alonzo, though. They are trying to replenish their system. They're already really good system, which was ranked like number one in hitting development, number one in pitching development, um, and they're still, I believe, a top five uh, system as well. Um, just because of pure depth, because there's not one or two prospect like other teams have that are like, oh, this guy's ranked number one, this guy's ranked number two. Um, they just have a lot of guys that are just ranked like in that top 100, which is what I think the Dodgers value. They value the numbers rather than 
just having one prize at the end of it right now. Um, you could probably say their farm system goes up right against the, the Baltimore Orioles um, and the Tampa Bay Rays, who are always really good at drafting and development guys. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it, it, it is interesting to see how they go around things with the international market. I thought it was interesting that they signed, I believe, four or five shortstops. Shortstop is a really big position that is very thin um, in yeah. the Dodgers market, especially since you know the last top shortstop prospect has been Gavin Lux before that was Corey Seager. But other than that, not many of the guys they've drafted or signed uh, have never really lived up to the, the their hype. And and we're to be honest, we're even still waiting for Lux to live up to the hype. You know, he did battle that injury last year where he would have gotten his full shot as the starting shortstop. Um, hopefully he gets off the ground running once spring, uh, once camp breaks. Um, but yeah, that is definitely a position that they need to work on. But I think these signings are more depth related than anything because the international market, you don't know what you're going to see from these guys because there's not much scouting that goes on over there. Yeah, there's one or two guys that they're heavily involved in, um, like the shorts that they signed, um, uh, Morales, who was ranked number 14 um, in the top international prospects. But other than that, some of these guys are just taking a chance on hoping something works. Alonzo, they're replenishing the farm system because of the trade deadline, right? I like, I don't know if they are going to make any more trades now before maybe they're going to just any additions that they make, it's going to be for spring training, but this is more for down the line, right? Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're developing these kiddos to, to work their way up. If they work their way up, great. Right. Like, like Cody said, since Seager, there really hasn't been a shortstop prospect that's panned out for the Dodgers. Um, you know, and, and you can never have too many catchers to Cody's point because that, I mean, it is a difficult position to develop as well. And so, so I mean, though, in my opinion, I mean, those are the two key components of your defense that you, you got to have figured out because the catcher also has to be able to navigate a pitching staff. That's hard. And so, so I, I'm not surprised the Dodgers went about it the way they did. I, if anything, I think it also lets you know, hey, we know we have this glaring need prospect wise because we got these outfielders that are really good have these kind of corner infielders that are, eh, um, you know, but we, and we have these catchers that are good, but competition also isn't a bad thing, you know, because at the end of the day, Cartaya was the guy for a minute. And then out of nowhere, Dalton rushing starts RKOing everybody. And now he's the top catching prospect in the system, allegedly. And so, so I don't think it's a bad thing because everyone's also going to develop differently. Like going back to Michael Bush, I mean, Michael Bush is 26 years old and he still hasn't had his fair shake to get into the, to the system per se. And that's, that's just how it goes sometimes. Sometimes you just got to get a little younger, develop, go and do the thing, and, and that's just how you go about it. I, I will say, though, them going out and getting Emil Martinez, who, who I think was ranked like number 10 by Baseball America, th- that's a big that's a big get because it's also an expensive commitment for a guy like that because I think there's I think the slot that he was in was like $2.4 million. If they're going to go after Sasaki next year, they obviously got to hoard as much money in the international pool as they can to go and get a guy and get a guy like that, even though it's going to be like a minor league deal because there's going to be other suitors. So you, you have to be kind of ready for that as well. So I think all in all, I think they did well where they'll have enough kind of surplus going into that. And also it won't affect with kind of the other, like Cody said, the other kind of preceding moves that they did where it could affect that. I think they made out well, but most importantly, if you're going to replenish, you got to replenish with prospects that you know, you're going to be able to develop and not just create a log jam with. We learned this with the outfield log jam a few years ago, right? When Jock Peterson, Yasiel Puig, um, uh, I forget the bearded guy's name. Oh, man, I'm forgetting his name. His dad played in the show too. 
Um, oh, I'm Vince a terrible Lake? fan. It's like, yeah, that's like, like you had all these cats, oh. all these guys, all these guys. And, and look what ended up happening. None of them are still here. So you run into those issues and you just try to avoid that where you can, but having an embarrassment of riches is never a bad thing to have either. Uh, I want to address quickly uh, the Dodgers introduced the Oscar Hernandez uh, this week, and uh, all everybody was talking about was Diasco Hernandez saying, I'm more comfortable in right field. And of course, what are the Dodgers going to do? We're going to play him in left field every day. Um, Hell yeah. Uh, Canelo, your your thoughts? Are you concerned at all the fact that he is saying, hey, I'm more comfortable over here or the uh, the strikeouts, any of the, I mean, obviously this person was signed because of his bat. Um, but when someone goes out there and says, look, I signed here because this is my chance, best chance to, to get into the playoffs. I signed only a one-year deal. What did you learn from that press conference that surprised you? I mean, I think the biggest thing that surprised me was just the amount of he, – he did talk about some of the contract offers that he received from other clubs. Um, he did say there were multi-year offers out there, but he – you know, like, like we said, the Dodgers are just the destination players want to go to now. That's just the way it is across the Major League Baseball, um, where not only do the players know that, hey, maybe I can become a better version of myself if I just take that one-year deal with the Dodgers. You know, he still got paid, to be fair. He did get <laughs> paid. Uh, he got paid that $23.5 million. It is getting deferred by $8.5 million. So we talked about this in the last stream where it's around like a $15 million commitment for this year. Um but yeah, I, I'm extremely ecstatic that he ended up signing with us because I think at the time, you know, the Dodgers offseason has just surprised us week after week. Um, I didn't think they were going to spend this much money. Um, and when I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago where I was saying, all right, what are some right-handed bat options to, to go against some of these left-handed pitchers that are now in the National League? Um, I kind of was going dumpster diving, you know, I was saying, all right, maybe I got to bite the bullet. We got to sign Tommy Pham. I may not like him as a player or a person, but bring him aboard. You know, I saw him beat up the Dodgers in the NLDS. Um, and then you arguably got the best right-handed masher against left-handed pitching on the market. And I do think there is truth to be told in what he was saying. You know, the numbers show that while he was at home in Seattle, it was harder to hit for him. He did not feel comfortable. Baseball is a lot about feel. If you don't feel comfortable in a certain ballpark, guess what? You're not going to hit there. If you look at his career numbers in Toronto and anywhere else, they're elite, especially against lefties, which is what the Dodgers role, at least for this next year, which is why it's only a one-year commitment, is say, hey, we need a guy that can rotate in the outfield, that can mash left-handed hitters, but is also serviceable against righties. Um, and guess what? You're not going to be the guy. You're not the guy, pal. You're going to be batting at least sixth or seventh in this lineup, maybe fifth or in the fourth hole um, against lefties, but he's not going to be that guy that you're depending on. You're depending on the other guys. You're depending on the superstars to be stars. You're just depending on Hernandez to play his role, and his his role is to be that left-handed masher platoon player. Um, I would say the transition from right field to left field, I, I mean, I don't really, I didn't play the outfield that much when I played baseball. But I don't think it should be that difficult for him to adjust to. Um, and I imagine he will get some shifts, splits in right field. I imagine he'll get most of his starts in left. Um, it really just depends on what they want to do in center field and right field if they want to c continue platooning. I think one guy that's going to be all around the diamond, uh, especially if we keep him, 
is Margot. I think he is going to be playing right field, center field, and left field on any given day, just depending on the handness of the starter that day. So, um, And then another guy is Chris Taylor, who we know what type of player he is. Might as well just pencil him in for playing at least one inning at every position minus pitcher <laughs> or catcher. Um, but yeah, that'll definitely be something interesting. But I don't think I could be happier with this signing. I hope the Dodgers aren't done, though, yet. I still think there's about one or two more moves that they need to make. Um, but I, I think Hernandez is a good way to to end the position player uh, part of the Dodgers roster. Uh, Alonzo, uh, Canelo just said something that is kind of just nuts. Are we really spending all this time dissecting a guy who's going to hit seventh with the possibility of hitting maybe 25 home runs for you from the seventh spot? Is that uh, is that much of a problem that the Dodgers have there? That's a great fucking problem to have. Like, if you got a guy in the seventh slot that's hitting 40 bombs, I, I think you're okay. I think you'll be all right. I, something that, that caught my attention, Cody alluded to it. I read a thing. I don't remember. I would love to give credit to whoever I've seen it from, but I, I don't remember. It was on Twitter. I refuse to call it X, but Twitter. Um <laughs> That, that he was talking about, like the home splits, that he just didn't feel comfortable hitting at uh, who's the sponsor now up there? Is it T Mobile Park? T Mobile Park, yep. T Mobile Park. And I saw the splits, and he hit like two, it was like two, like 80 on the road. And then at home, it was like 220. Yeah. I, I was kind of surprised by that because, I mean, I mean, the video that sticks out to me is when, when they, uh, when they clinched going into the playoffs, when he hits that ball. Uh, and just gets the walk-off win with the guy losing his mind in the booth. I was like, that, that's a guy that looks pretty comfortable to me. So, I mean, if that's a guy that doesn't look – that wasn't comfortable, I am really excited to see what he does when he's comfortable in a place. Because if if you're if you're a guy like that where the pressure is no longer on you having to be higher up in the lineup and all you got to do is just do your job, to me that just means that guy's just going to rake. And that's a fantastic problem to have, especially if he's hitting that far down in the lineup. And, I mean, it doesn't hurt that you're protected by the guys in the upper part of the lineup anyway. But, I mean, if your guy is just – I mean, again, with the Blue Jays comparison, elite. Like, that dude was way comfortable up in Rogers Center. And so so if we get that, I'm – not only is this – do I think he was underpaid and it's proof because he had multi-year offers, I am still shocked to this day he did not take multi-year offers. I, I'm still beyond surprised that he did not take any of those multi-year offers. So good for the Dodgers for for making the hard sell. Good for the Dodgers for also figuring out a way to defer $8 million. But also you you get a guy that is on more or less, he's going to assume he's going to treat it like a prove-it deal because he's here for one year. He's here to try to win. And for all you know, he may keep just doing these one-year deals where he's making $25 million a year. That's, that, I mean, that's, that, I'd do it. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Um, I, I want to switch gears to the Hall of Fame. And so I, I expect uh, everybody's going to have a lot of opinions on this because the the Hall of Fame uh, vote will should be announced shortly, and we know who, what's going who's going to be going in. Uh, for me, there's definitely a lock. There is w- at least one lock, and he is a former Dodger, and that's and that's Adrian Beltre. Of uh, the people who are on this ballot, that's actually the only person I would vote for. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for that. I've told you are the biggest fucking hater. I know (laughs) I am the Prince of darkness. uh, And I will explain this for, because I know these guys on the, on the show know my philosophy on this. I'm going to let the listeners, the viewers know this for me, the hall of fame is should be a no doubt. 
if you have to think about whether this person should be in the Hall of Fame, then they shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Like for me, the Hall of Fame should be reserved for the elite. Now that, that you know, there's a lot of people who had good to great baseball careers and there's nothing, there's no shame in that. Uh, I just, I, I just, again, I've said this to these guys before. We don't have to put everybody in, into the hall of fame. We really don't. And if we maybe subscribe to that theory, that philosophy, we wouldn't have these arguments. We're going to have like 10 people, you know, 10 times to try to get someone on there. Now, that being said, <laughs> I need your help on this one because Looking at the players on the bat, as I said, Adrian Belcher is the only one that no doubt for me needs to be in. And it, it is sad that that guy didn't play his whole career in a Dodgers uniform. Um, so why but, do you hate, why do you hate Andrew Jones? Can, let's start right there. Well, because of what he did in a Dodgers uniform and because <laughs> El Padrino, El Padrino, Ned Coletti, like me, Ned Coletti, what he did to Ned Coletti, you know, is unforgivable. Bro, I'm the so guy, mad at you right now. I'm so fucking mad at you right now. <laughs> the guy who I actually is everything I just talked about right now, and that is Gary Sheffield. If I'm going to give you guys Gary Sheffield's numbers right now, lifetime career batting average of 292, 2,689 hits, 509 home runs. Now. Again, for me, I, I reserve it as a lead. I always thought Gary Sheffield was a great player. I loved watching him hit. How the hell he could hit a baseball with the way he would torque his, his bat. To and how heavy hit. that bat was. Exactly. It's something I didn't understand. Sheffield is a guy that I think you can make a very strong argument about. But again. Sound like, sound like you, David Vasse right now. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but okay. But this being said, the guys that Sheffield played with. In that era, who was better than him in that era? So let's – so okay. So I've heard Dan Patrick make this argument. I will make the same argument. I am not saying I'm as smart as Dan Patrick for the record. I am not. Half of these guys – well, okay. I'm not going to say even a number. A, a, a percentage of this ballot. Some of these guys – listen, We if we're going to let them in, we just need to do a steroid wing. We just got to do the gas wing. Wait, He's are got, you saying Gary Sheffield is a steroid guy? I'm not saying some people say he is. I don't know okay. if he was. He's in that bucket. I'll He's say that. He it, is, it, so that is what's hurting him. Yes. 100%. If he would be, I think he would be more on more people's balance if he wasn't associated with any possibility of 100%. steroid use. Because I, I agree with everything. It, Andy but Pettit for so should many. be a Hall of Famer. Andy Pettit should be a Hall of Famer. But the reason he is not is because he full-on admitted to what he did. I respect that he admitted it. But my man is not going to get into the hall because of that. That's why I think what we need to do is we need to have two ballots. The ballot of the asterisk ballot and then the ballot of these dudes. Like, for me, I don't think Todd Helton's a Hall of Famer. I don't think he, I think he's That's who I was going to bring up next. The guy had a lifetime batting average of 316. He had 2,519 hits. You don't kill play. Me. Don't play your career in the mile high, and then we'll fuck. Oh, so you're gonna hold oh. that against him? You're gonna <laughs> no, hold that against him? I'm not. I saw that on the internet though, and I thought that was incredible. Uh, here, my the bigger thing with Todd Helton is again, do you compare him to other first basemen in yes. that era? That's right? the issue. You got to compare and, him. To and if you guy. do compare him, when was he the best first baseman in in the game? Canelo. 
You, so you that, that's what my you argument can. is, right? Yeah. Like, this is why well, I say the is... Hall of Fame should be for the elite. And I hate because someone is going to spin this as like, why are you hating on Todd Helton? I was oh, like, goodness. dude, I would love to have the career that that dude have. Oh, absolutely. We're talking about the Hall of Fame. But this that, is about guys that do something. There are of the best. They yes. were better than the best. Like, like another one that comes to my like, okay, Joe Mauer, in my opinion, should be a Hall of Famer. But okay. But the problem is what I already know with the arguments and people, the injuries, the injuries caught up to him, whatever. It doesn't diminish his career. It doesn't diminish how elite he was. And then when you look, like you said, when you compare him to the other catchers of that era, how, how can you sit there and say he's not a Hall of Famer? Like someone told me the other day when I said that Omar Vizquel should get in is that, well, he can't because he was an accumulator. What? <laughs> what? what? Like, so... So was like Dak, was he Dak Prescott in the second yeah, half? Right. Oh, like, 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 stat pattern. I mean, you can't you can't knock the stats though. That's no, that's my can't. argument with it. Yeah. And so, so to me, like I, I use this as the perfect argument. Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez did not need the gas. We can all litigate that all we want. My man was elite, but the way that he went about handling that matter is ultimately what killed kind of his chances of getting in to begin with. What again, this is why we need to have that kind of asterisk wing of things because it's a goddamn shame that Pete Rose is not in the hall. We don't have to put everybody in, Alonzo. I want to read, really don't. I want to read my ballot because I want to see one. Uh, all right, here we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had well, hold on, I was real, real quick, Cody, Cody, real quick. Why the fuck should Pete Rose not get into the hall of fame, Juan? Uh, for me, he's already in the hall of fame because he's not who holds he's the not, record. Though. Who holds the record for most hits in Major League Baseball? Bro, call Josh Cincinnati Rowling Reds player. Call, That's, I call Josh that. right now. Call jo- I know you have Josh's number because we've had him on the I've show. had that conversation with Josh Riley because it pisses me off that Piazza went in as a Met. You know, because he should have gone in as a Dodger. That's the problem. You're being fucking emotional, Juan. And you no. He, okay, you technically he played more years with the Metropolitans, but I feel his numbers were much more impressive when he was with the Dodgers. See, but to me, if you're dying on the hill on what hat they're wearing going into the hall, that's already a fucking problem. That's Yeah, because problem. Vladimir Guerrero should have gone as an expo. He should have gone in as a – he was going to be the last expo to go in. But they get to decide what hat they want to wear. So what do you, are you going to tell me that if Otani goes in wearing an Angels hat because that's the team that gave him his first shot here in this country, you're going to be fucking mad? No, that's not true because Andre Dawson wanted to go in as a Cub, and they made him go in as an expo. But you can still appeal that shit. You can fight that all day. You're you're the one going into the hole. <laughs> I, let's hear Canelo's ballot. I, I I I love this because I want you guys on the live. I want you to argue because this is something that you can always argue. And this is always going to cause I'm heated so passion mad. in the Hall of Fame. I'm still fucking mad. At all right, you. you don't have to put anybody. I'm just saying you don't have to put everybody in. So I'm one of these guys. What if if I hate the balance that I see where they don't use all their votes or they they just vote for one singular player. So Juan, <laughs> you're already on my hit list. <laughs> so if I was to vote and I looked at the ballot, I agree with Alonzo. It is hard because this ballot specifically, it has so many suspected or caught PED users. Because if it was me and I was going to vote for who I imagine should be in the Hall of Fame just based off player, like these guys should be in. Like Barry Bonds should have been in. Uh, Andy Pettit, he he should be in baseball history, and and Aaron's the biggest one of that. You know, Aaron before steroids was like a superstar, all star baseball player. After him, even better than that, and he played for a historic franchise with the Yankees. Ended up winning a World Series with them later down the line. But 
getting past that, I'll say I won't vote for the PED users or suspected PED, PED users in this. So right off the bat, I agree. Adrian Beltre, that seems like a no-brainer. He's probably going to get in this year. It seems like every ballot I see that he's on there. I think it's only been like one ballot where I haven't seen him on there. Um, I disagree with you guys. I think Todd Helton should make the Hall of Fame. I think he has really good career numbers. Um, I don't think he should be first ballot, but I still think he should get the votes. That way he stays on the ballot and then eventually gets in later down the line. Um, Another one, kind of hot topic, Carlos Beltran. He is on the ballot. He he had a really good career throughout, and he was a Dodgers killer later in his career when he was with the Cardinals. Had a really good time with the Mets, but then he got in that little scandal territory at mm-hmm. the end of his career with oh, the Astros. No. So that could hurt him. You know that what? I want to give Alonzo credit on this. I'm going to let you finish, Canelo. Uh, but Alonzo gave the greatest speech ever. Um, Alonzo, back when that whole scandal broke, when we were interviewing, um, uh, God, I forget his name, who wrote the book on it. Alonzo had said, how much is this scandal going to affect when it comes to the Hall of Fame vote? So I just want to give Alonzo his his flowers. I am not the Prince of Darkness, as you can see. Alonzo called it a long time ago. Canelo, continue. I'll make Alonzo happy. Andrew Jones should make it into the Hall of Fame. Um, He should go in there. We talked about it, um, I believe, all fair with Steve Webb um, from Dodgers Beat. I'm a huge Joe Maurer guy. Growing up, I played catcher throughout my entire life. Joe Maurer was literally probably my idol growing up in terms of catchers. Um, that was the the peak of being a catcher. Um, this is where we get in some uncharted territory. Well, but the other no-brainer, Billy Wagner should be in the Hall of Fame. That should have happened probably a while ago, and that's been you know honestly agreed by pretty much everyone that's voting on this too. This is where we get into uncharted territory, though. I, I'm interested to see what you guys think. I still think Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley should make the Hall of Fame eventually. Um, so my big one is Utley, um, just because I am from around the Philly area. I think if you compare his numbers to second basemen like, that are already in the Hall of Fame, he is very comparable to them. Um, and like I'm saying, I don't think he's a first ballot, but I do think eventually down the line, um, Utley should get in. And you know, if you look at Utley... In terms of war, um, he ranks 15th all time. Um, the other ten or the other ones that are above him, ten of them are in the Hall of Fame already. Um, he has got a career 64 and a half war. Um, if you look in terms of that Philadelphia run from like 06 to 2011, even though Rollins and Howard won an MVP in there, you could make a case that Chase Utley was probably the most valuable player of those teams. Um, just because of his defensive ability, his ability to get on base, hit for average, hit for power. And then in 2009, during that World Series run, he went off in the World Series against the Yankees, would have won the MVP if they won that series as well. Um, And then in terms of his defense, he never won a gold glove, which is unfortunate because he's very comparable to a recent Hall of Fame inductee um, who was also played on the Phillies and Scott Rowland. Um, but he had a 131 outs above average, which is top seven all time uh, with second baseman. So I don't think he's going to get in first ballot, but we do love some Silver Fox love here. He's probably, after Kershaw, probably my favorite baseball player. So don't say anything about him or I will come after you. Look, this is business, Alonzo. This man is taking it personal. He's taking it very personal here with with his ugly love. Yeah, but you're taking it a little too personal. One, that's the like he's controlling. Like he's drinking a Stanley. He's very chill. He's he's chill. You are not chill. 
You, you know who I think is going to back up your argument for Utley Canelo is Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent yeah. is begging that yep. Utley gets in because if Utley gets in, Jeff Kent needs to be in. <laughs> Jeff well, Kent it, should it, be in before Utley. I must say, Jeff Kent yeah, should have already been in. I hate, listen, I hate the gatekeeping bullshit where, like, some, oh, this guy should not be unanimous. This guy should not be the first yeah, ballot. Who stupid. the fuck are you, bro? Like, like that, that's not how this works. Because at the end of the day, it's either they are or they aren't. That's just what it is. It's Dude, like when it Kershaw gets to that point, I know for a fact someone's going to, he should be unanimous, but I know for a fact 100%. someone's going to say, well, his postseason ERA. <laughs> Was yeah. over five, and then that they'll hold that against them. Well, and again, like like the perfect argument in this is Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame, but the problem is that that's a big deal. That's not the same as a playoff ERA. That's not the same as any of that shit. He he absolutely should be in. Billy Wagner's a Hall of Famer. Joe Maurer's a Hall of Famer. Andrew Jones is a Hall of Famer. One, uh, I actually agree. I think Chase Utley should get in. I think Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy Rollins is like one of those borderline guys for me. I think he had a very high peak, and yes. that was around we won MVP. And then yes. we, unfortunately, as Dodger fans, got him when he was on his very steep decline. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes and yes. that's what you'll remember him as. Chase Utley pretty much had a very steady career. He's very and busy. he probably could have played another year if he wanted to, but decided to just hang up the cleats when he did. Yes. Um, I just think you. I think when you look at the Hall of Fame vote, you have to compare it by. Yes, we've already talked about like eras, but you also have to compare it position by position. And where if you look at Chase Utley's numbers, you're like, there's no way this guy can be like, just by numbers alone in terms of like offensive numbers. Like he's not a Hall of Famer. Like he doesn't have this X amount of home runs. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have three thousand hits. Um, but then if you compare him to other second basemen that are already in, then you're like, all right, well it's a lot closer than you really think. Um, and I do think more and more people are getting added to the Hall of Fame to Juan's disappointment every year. So, um, but I feel like this year maybe the one year where I think I don't think we're going to get too many guys added in. No, no, no. I, I think I mean th- this, and then Beltre obviously, and then if I didn't say Joe Mauer, like I mean that's 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 it when you look at this because I mean I think Todd Helton was a very good baseball player, but when you look at this, I for me, like you said, from the era, I just don't think. Helton, who was the best first baseman of his era. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I'm sure I'll get some shit for that, especially from Colorado fan. But listen, uh, that's just that's just what it is. There is some very good baseball players on here, very good baseball players that should absolutely get consideration. A-Rod, Andy Pettit, Abreu has a case. But the problem is there's the lingering thing, the PED thing. And if, if the PED thing, like I said, it's it's bullshit – that Pete Rose is not in. It's bullshit that Barry Bonds is not in. Bullshit that Roger Clemens is not in. But they made their choices. But I do think, like Dan Patrick said, we need to have the wing that is from that era, the Balco steroid era, whatever you want to call it, and put them in with that. I, I think that's that's just the move because Pete Rose, Pete Rose, the player, should absolutely be in. Pete Rose, the manager, should not be in. And we can make that distinction as far as that goes too, but that'll never go through. Hey Cody, so so why a Rod but no Manny? I, I'm saying like per like they're not going to get in regardless. 
I did like Manny Wood. I think he was a really good player. If you look at throughout his entire career between the Indians, the Red Sox, and then even the Dodgers, um, he should have a strong case to make it in. But these voters, I mean, if you took my generation and they wanted to vote, we didn't really grow up with the PED stuff and the scandals and the hatred that some of these players got. So we really don't care. So we would vote for these guys right now anyway. Like we want these guys to be voted in. Like if you ask me and my friends and our age group, like who do we think the best baseball players are? Almost everybody says, yes, Barry Bonds is the best baseball player that played. A-Rod is the best shortstop that has played in our generation. It's just usually the old heads that are voted in right now that, that, are a part of, that are a part of this Baseball Writers Association. Sorry to say it. But those are the ones that are just very stingy. And yeah. that's one of the things I get really mad about when I see those guys post their ballots and then they argue with people on social media like, yeah, well, you posted an awful ballot. Some pe- If people wanted to vote nothing, they will. I feel yeah. like that's been that's happened before. That's happened before. They, they said, no, we don't think anyone's worthy. And it's like, OK, well, you don't deserve to vote for this anyway. So but if I like had to vote for it, a lot of these guys would get in or at least get my vote to keep them like in percentage points, ballot. at least going yeah. on the ballot. That's why I say you should use all your votes. Cause then it's like, just give these guys another opportunity. And then you see who's on the ballot that year. Eventually some of these guys will drop off. We've already seen it with some of the PED users. Um, but like it, when I bring up Utley Rollins, like th- these are guys that are, like I said, similar to Scott Rowland, they're making it either on their last ballot or they're making it on like the, the veterans committee ballot. Like that's when they're getting in. What you should just do, Cody, is whenever you get your BBWA thing, just vote for everyone. <laughs> just out of just out of spite, vote for everyone, and then write Juan Ramirez. I'm gonna say uh, team. It's a team effort. <laughs> it's a team. But and then the one thing I will say, I, I, I feel like the the steroid thing at some point has to come to a head because when you, baseball is a game of history, right? So when you look back and you see that some of the greatest players that ever play the game, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Alex Rodriguez don't get in like there has to be questions about what we're doing here right and and when we're the old heads that's going to come to a head but also with that too to your point cody like the gatekeeping thing i remember when Derek jeter made the ballot people were like he's not a unanimous first guy what like what 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 are we doing here like like at what point does the juan ramirez hate kind of like come to a head where it's like bro this like it's Derek jeter like they're, they're, if Jerry Gian, Jeremy Giambi would have slid, he would have been safe. That's all I'm saying. If he would have slid, he would have been safe, and that Jeremy play would have been looked at very differently. I, yeah. Look, guys, I, I, I know we're getting towards the end of the show, so I just want to end it with this in terms of the Hall of Fame discussion. You guys are absolutely right. Guys like Pete Rose, guys like Barry Bonds, guys like A-Rod – deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but I will stress this again. They did this to themselves because Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before he decided to go late Macho Man Randy Savage in WCW, right? And A-Rod, you're absolutely right, Canelo, was the best shortstop we've seen. He's the best baseball player I've ever seen play. These guys did it to themselves. And for whatever reason, whether it was the envy that Bonds got because he saw what Griffey was doing and he wanted to top Griffey, these guys did it to themselves. And that's the problem because now they've muddied the waters. Like Babyface says, Manny. Manny, to me, was probably one of the greatest pure hitters in in the history of the game. But he muddied the waters now because now in your mind, you're just like, well, how much of that was his actual natural ability 
or was it was he getting help? You know, and that's that's the problem there. To answer Yongi, you're quite or I think it was Adrian. I'm sorry, Adrian uh, Rodriguez's question. It's the baseball writers of America who vote on, on the Hall of Fame, and that in itself is probably a problem too because some of those dudes hold grudges when they do their voting, personal stuff. Ask Eddie Murray. You know, I, Eddie Murray was never really, you know, a, a, a great person to. to yeah, that was the other to. thing. If you look at, we bring up Barry Bonds. I, I forget the documentary. I believe it was on ESPN or something like that. And I was watching it. The media hated Barry Bonds and Barry yeah. Bonds hated the media. So I feel like he probably would have gotten votes down the line. But then since he pretty much like they had the mutual hatred towards each other, they said, you know what, when you come up, we're not going to vote for you. And then that's exactly what happened. So um, that is why I do agree that there is some, there is a problem that it's just the baseball writers association, especially with the MLB awards and everything as well. I, I still think there's some wacky things that these guys vote for um, in terms of the hall of fame and, and the MLB awards. Uh, so, and what we have a new leader. Gets in? I just want to know, what are you going to do if a chef gets in and what are you going to do when Jones gets in? The same thing. If if Jones, I will do the the Canelo meme. I, I will do the Canelo. Where I'll just be like, all right, all right whatever. He's a he's a Harold, look, Harold Baines got in right Juan, So I'm not gonna despair it if they get in. Look, I'm not gonna shit on a huge accomplishment for them. I just my philosophy is we don't need to put everyone in. And at the top of the leaderboard for comment of the night, just coming in right now, Chris Fro, uh, Frosaker, Jose Canseco was Don the Rock Morocco. That is a great comparison. For those of you who don't know who Don the Rock Morocco is, you need to go to the to the Peacock and get to the WWE Classic section and watch. That's a great poll there, Chris Forsaker. Um, Wait, but wanna... hold on. But with your argument, we didn't let everybody in. We just let like four people in. Like that, we just told you why a third of the uh, ballot. Like, if I was running the Hall of Fame, there it would have a much smaller membership. I and and for me. Look, uh, the Hall of Fame already uh, is a huge deal, a, a huge deal. But to have guys – look, I never saw Bill Mazeroski play. I'm not going to sit here and shit on Bill Mazeroski. But guys not. who played during that era, they sit there and go, Bill Mazeroski wasn't like a Hall of Famer, but he got in. What do we know about Bill Mazeroski? He hit that home run against the Yankees. And because of that, he got into the Hall of Fame. I, 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 look, that's all I'm saying. Like when you see guys that have played, like clearly the no daughters, like you guys are all talking about. If Ichiro doesn't go in unanimous, oh, we're burning some shit down. Exactly, I, I am burning shit down because Ichiro to me, Ichiro was ridiculous. Because if that guy would have played his career in Major League Baseball from the beginning, it's over. I, I, I mean, who knows? I'm not going to sit there and say he would have passed Pete Rose. But I think he would have come close. That dude was a hitting machine. Uh, I want to do a speed round real quick of some topics before we end the show because we're coming up against it. Um, Logan Webb hating on the Dodgers. Uh, I, I don't know why this is a news story. I really don't know what's news about this. He's a he's a San Francisco Giant. What do you guys expect him to say? You guys <laughs> actually expect him to say something nice about the Dodgers? Babyface, I know you have strong feelings about this. I don't understand why. I mean, what do you expect from the guy? Well, it just seems that he every chance he gets to 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 say something about it. I mean, you don't hear that from other teams, right? I mean, yeah, they may not like the Dodgers or players, but this guy, I think he makes it a point to specifically point out the Dodgers every chance he gets. And if you look, if you're going back and look back since 
I get it. I mean, ever ever since he came into the league, Dodgers have kicked their ass, especially you know when they played the Giants. So I, I guess that's why he has that hatred towards the Giants. But it's just something about this guy that every chance he gets, he tries to poke him. Well, if I'm not mistaken, he's I think a born and raised Giants fan too. So that doesn't surprise me because he's also a Raiders fan. So fuck the Raiders. For starters. He was great in the Fargo TV series, though. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, at the end of the day, if, if I mean, when you're in an organization and you dislike another organization, like you're, I didn't, I didn't, I work at Utah, right? The University of Utah. I've been to BYU twice. I fucking hate BYU. And I don't even know why I hate BYU because I've only been there twice. <laughs> That's just a part of the deal. Canelo, your thoughts on, as Dennis Gonzalez called Todd from Breaking Bad? <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I started chuckling. I said, dang, he really does look like Todd. He really does. But, but yeah, I mean, I don't really know what we expect to hear from a guy. You know, when I listen to the whole interview, it makes sense. You know, he's been there his entire career. He's been there for over 10 years. Um, Obviously, he understands the rivalry. Obviously, the Dodgers-Giants rivalry isn't as big as the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry where those guys will fight on site no matter what. It Obviously, it's been a little bit one-sided, at least in recently, but the Giants also have those three championships a little bit like over a decade ago now um, that they have under their belt. Um, but I think in terms of him being angry, it, he's probably still mad that they lost the NLDS on a check swing. I'd probably be mad if I was still a player, I'd be but I'd be I, I don't know. Yeah. I, obviously I like it. Cause I would like, I think when the giants are good and when they're fiery and the Dodgers are good and they're fiery and those guys are going up against each other. I talked about it with my friend the other day. I said, when I was like that division race between the Dodgers and the Giants in 2021, even though we ultimately lost the division, I was like, that's probably the most fun I've had watching baseball in a while, especially coming after like the pandemic year and everything was all weird. But it was just like, look, yeah, look, we got these two best teams. It seemed like every day they were going back and forth. I think they split the season series like down to one or two games. And that ended up being the deciding factor in the division. Uh, who won the division. Yeah, they lost so. it by one. They lost one by one game to the Giants. Yep. Yeah. There you go. And, uh, I would like them to meet in the postseason again. I don't think that's happening anytime soon because I've made it thought my thoughts known on how the Giants are a pretty mediocre team right now. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, Dodgers will get their shot against Logan Webb in the first half of the season. Uh, Alonzo, I want to get your thoughts. Uh, Dustin May uh, started a throwing program and blew up uh, uh, the internet today uh, yeah. with a video of him throwing a pitch. We're not really, I mean, realistically thinking this dude is going to pitch this year, are we? I, I don't think so. I mean, listen, I, I think it's great that Dustin's still putting in the work and trying to go out there and do the thing because, I mean, the shit that he's coming back from, a lot of people would have been like, Sayonara, I'm not doing this anymore. But for him to, to continue the grind and and to, to quote the, uh, the great poet Nipsey Hussle, the marathon continues, uh, then you know what? Good for him, man. I mean, if anything, I'm happy that the dude is still trying to go out there and, and make it happen, especially after a tendon injury. That isn't just a small injury. That's not like, you know, yeah. just the UCL situation. So good for you, Dustin. Uh, uh, hopefully he can, you know, not soon because I don't want him to get hurt again. But, you know, in the next year or so he can make a return. But good for you, Dustin. Uh, last, uh, let's end the show with this, uh, Canelo, uh, you, uh, wrote a piece on Dodgers beat important spring, tra- uh, spring training dates. Uh, you want to hit us up with those? Yeah. So spring training, it's coming fast. You know, um, they just announced, I believe all MLB teams got announced today. Um, Dodgers are the first to arrive for pitchers and catchers. I believe they 
report on the 8th. Pitchers and catchers all like start doing their workouts on the 9th. And then the first full squad workout is a little bit after that on the 14th. Um, obviously, I wrote in the piece that they have to get started a little bit earlier, about a week earlier than usual, because they are going to Korea to play in the Korea series. So them and the Padres kind of um, come to camp around the same time. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely get it's less than around three weeks away. Um, a lot of these guys are already either close to Arizona or in Arizona or at Dodger Stadium working. I think Walker Bueller said on a another baseball podcast um, where a lot of these guys are going to camp even earlier um, to get started with their throwing programs just because a lot of these guys are rehabbing. But a lot of these guys and a lot of these players are just really excited about this, this upcoming season. Um, I know Otani's going to be there bright and early and ready to go. Um, and I know the media is going to be there watching him as well. So, um, so when, when, did the, when does Otani arrive? Did he arrive? Otani's probably already pitchers there. Pitchers and catchers? He is probably – he'll probably be one of the first people there. Yeah, he'll probably be there like the day before everyone else. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast in Vivo. Again, I, I just want to thank all of you who have voted for the best baseball podcast in America. Uh, you can f- see the link on our social media, whether it's Instagram or on X. Is today Please. the last day of voting, by the way? No, the last day of voting. Thank you for setting that up there, Alonzo. Uh, the last day of voting is January 28th. So you guys, if you uh, haven't voted yet or you want to tell your family, you I, I know there was somebody on the live I totally forgot is making their whole family uh, basically vote for us. And you're doing the Lord's work. So we thank you for that. Um, thanks you. Thank you. And so uh, also just make sure you guys are subscribed to the YouTube channel. You can ca- as again, as I said at the beginning of the show, we got the Oscar Hernandez's press conference on there. You can catch up with past episodes. We have other material there. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the people at One Way who hosted us when Bobby Miller and Diego Cartaya were doing their signing. They were so gracious enough. And I loved all the Dodger fans, even though none of them had heard about the Bleed Lows podcast. I, I, I love one of the comments on the, on the YouTube. Uh, I, 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 it was somebody who had said, I'm so disappointed that nobody had heard of the Bleed Lows podcast. So, look, if you guys want to spread the word and let people know, come check us out. I know there's a lot of Dodger podcasts, guys. And I know you probably, probably listen to half of them, right? But, you know, we, we're, we're trying to do something different here. So, again... We want to thank. It was great seeing you guys. Hopefully, maybe there was a suggestion we do it at Dodgers Fest. I'll leave that up to Babyface. Uh, but if you guys do see us out there, you know, make sure you come up to us. Uh, someone had asked earlier in the live, will we be going to spring training? Uh, that has not been confirmed yet, but I think we're going to try to make every effort possible to try to go to spring training. I anticipate it's it's going to be nuts. There's going to be a lot of media there. And but, Dodger Fest is sold out if you didn't get your ticket last week. So who yeah, knows if they're going to put any, anything um, for sale. Um, and um, we want to be there. We're, we'll, we'll wait to see how the media looks on that day. So we'll see if they let us in. That's one. I'm going to say if they let you in. <laughs> Cody, I'm sorry that all those people bought those tickets, even though you didn't think they were going to buy those tickets to the Dodgers Fest. Thanks, Dick. Oh, and I and I want to end the show on this. There was somebody who sent me a message. I forget their name. My apologies. But they basically, I think they're speaking for the rest of you, Sangrones. They have officially made uh, Canelo an honorary Mexican. Uh, 
Hey. So for those of you watching, as you can see, he is Cody Snavely. And in in quote in the uh, hypothesis or the parentheses, thank you. Uh, English is my second language. He put Canelo there. So I am so grateful that you, Sangrones, have embraced Canelo as, as an honorary Mexican. So uh, we are an all Latino podcast, but Canelo's cool. He knows his shit. So he We're is, included. he knows all of that. Um, all right. Let's, uh, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. You uh, sido su servidor, Juan Ramirez. De parte de mis colegas, Alonso, Canelo, and Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Nos vemos. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.